Good morning. Glad to be with you today. Good to see you. And we welcome those who might be visiting this morning. We appreciate that you're among us. And we uh, ask you to join us in a moment. We'll be uh, turning to Romans, the fifth chapter, as we uh, talk about the love of God in Christ, as we've sung about it and remembered it at the table uh, of our Lord, and also in prayer, and now uh, in song, and also now in study of God's Word. We uh, hope that that uh, uh, as we turn our attention to Scripture, that we will know that it is God that is speaking to us and not man, that it is the, the very Word of God and uh, as such deserves our uh, care, our reverence, our consideration, and our obedience uh, in our lives. And so if you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you to, to respond with respect to the Word of God by obeying it today. By understanding that in your obedience, you're putting yourself under the will of God and to receive the blessings of God. That He has uh, instructed that, that if we will obey Jesus, we will receive eternal salvation. Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9. Christ is the author of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. So we encourage you to obey Jesus today. And not just today, but every day of your life. Because the decision to become a Christian is just the beginning of a new life in Christ, serving His will His and serving righteousness every day. So we encourage that response and we want to help you come to Jesus as we're going to sing at the end of this lesson. And we encourage you to do that, to be saved if that's your need. Also, if it's your need to get right with God, you need to come to Jesus. You need to repent of sin as a Christian and confess that to Him. Then we want to encourage that response in you. And if it's public some public sin that needs to be corrected, or if you just desire our prayers together. We want to encourage you to, to respond to the call of the Gospel. and We want to help you to, uh, to uh, respond in love and faith to receive the blessings that, that He offers us in His Son. You know, the Bible is very clear in teaching us that God is love. In 1 John chapter 4, and in verse 8 it says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, in thinking about the fact that God is love, and we're going to come to Romans 5 in a moment to, to uh, expand on the thought, we are compelled to recognize that it is in the sending of His Son that God so loved us. We see in God Himself the active nature of love. In 1 John 4 and 9, He says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us. God's love is on full display that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Now, note with me please that, that the death of Jesus on the cross, and He'll go on to say, and this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the atoning sacrifice, to be the means of appeasing the wrath of God. He sent Jesus to die. So, a sacrifice is prepared and offered to God by which we can be reconciled to Him. But note with me that verse 9 says that we might live through Him. The life is only through Jesus, but we have to choose to live through Him. And yet, God sent His Son because He so loved us, and the Son died because He loved us so, 
even knowing that many, many would reject that offering, would refuse that love. Now, the question becomes then, will you love somebody who refuses your love? Or or do we only love somebody if we can be assured, if we are guaranteed that they're going to respond in a good way toward us? Oh, I'll love that person if they love me back. That's not how God loved you and me. That's not how God loved the world. God so loved the world that He sent His Son to die on a cross to give us the opportunity to live. But most people refuse His love. And yet God still loved. And we can say God by His foreknowledge could know that His Son would die, that His Son would be rejected, and still is. And yet, God loves us so. So really, would you and I die for somebody when we knew that love would be spurned, rejected, abused, refused? I'll love my wife if she loves me in return. I'll love my husband if he loves me in return. I'll love my neighbor, but he better love me too. No, he says in verse 7, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. I'll love my brother or sister in Christ if they love me back. No, that's not how God loved us. You see, that's His love is the model for us. And that's why... Is it not that is that not why John, uh, Paul in Romans five says, "Scarcely for a righteous man, one will die." Romans five seven. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. I mean, he says, "Occasionally, someone will die for a righteous man or a good man, for an upright person, for a, a kind person." But that's not at all what God did. He died for us when we were sinners, transgressors of His will. And so John said in John 4 and verse 11, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So the model of God's love is not based on somebody loving me back, but it is a complete sacrificial act of goodwill and and desire to see in that other person those things that are good and right. But it may be refused. It may be rejected. But that must not keep us from loving as God has loved us. Look at Romans 5 and verse 5 to set the scene of our text this morning. It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So he says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts. Well, we've heard the gospel, we've believed it, we've allowed it to transform us, to convert our hearts. We experience the love of God. The Holy Spirit has taught us about God's love in, in the gospel. And he says, That generates a hope without disappointment. You see, love hopes all things. And so love 
God's love hopes all things. And is so acted in the display of the death of Jesus Christ to show us fully and completely what it means to love. But that verse also shows us what it means to be without Christ as well as to be with Christ. And that's what we want to study this morning is when we, are, when we were without Christ is when Jesus died for us. But that if we will respond with, in faith and obey Jesus, then that changes. And we have the forgiveness of our sin and a hope that is not disappointing. A hope of eternal life that is sure and sound as we are justified by faith and have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5 and verse 1. So let, let us take this familiar passage, Romans 5, 6-11, and let's just explore it from this standpoint as he describes who we were without Christ and who you are this morning if you're not a Christian, you're without Christ and who, you, who we're, we are with Him. And I understand that all of this is an expression of the love of God in Christ Jesus toward us and that we must have Christ, we must be in Christ to partake of this love that has been offered to us, been shown toward us. Because Jesus, you know, God has loved the whole world and Jesus died, but not all the world is going to be saved because we have to respond through faith to that great grace in which we stand in Christ Jesus uh, or that it calls us to stand in. And that we as Christians stand. Without Christ, this passage says we were powerless. Verse 6. When we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. We had no power to save ourselves, to equip ourselves with godliness, to equip ourselves with, with goodness, to equip ourselves with righteousness. No, we had no power. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Romans 3 and verse 20, He had earlier said, By the deeds of the law no flesh shall be justified in His sight, because by the law is a knowledge of sin. When we live under law, we under, it identifies sin. He's making his application to the Jews there that, that the law of Moses identified their sin, but it bound them up in that sin. They, it couldn't save them from their sin. It couldn't justify them. Well, though we're not under the law of Moses, we, we, we all live under law to God. And when we sin, we have no power to save ourselves. Ephesians 2, in fact, goes on, I believe, uh, we'll see that in chapter 2, verses 1 and 5, that describes the death and also the life that we have in the Son. Without Christ, we're dead, powerless, no strength. Couldn't do it. Never will do it because all because of our sin. But go back to that First John five uh, four and nine passage. In First John four and verse nine, it says that he gave uh, he sent his son into the world that we might live through him, that we might have life. But now, if it is that we might have life, I have no life without Jesus. See. God sent His Son when I was dead. 
in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2, verse 1. Him, He said, you He has made alive. Ephesians 2, and verse 1. You He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And again in verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Our life is together with Christ. So when we're with Christ, we're alive. When we're without Christ, we're powerless. We're dead. We have no strength. We can't save ourselves. We're wallowing, floundering in sin with, without any ability to, be sa- to save ourselves. Now that's the state of the world. That's our state without Jesus. That's our state before we became Christians. Before we respond in faith to the Gospel. Without Christ. And yet that's the exact time that God sent His Son to die for us. Would we, would we live, love that way? People who, who, who just, you know, they've, they've chosen sin as their course, as their conduct, as their way of life. Yet I'm going to say, I, I'm going I'm to I'm die, send my son to die. I'm going to send my son to die for them. So they have an opportunity to put their faith in me and be saved. And that's what God has done. We appreciate that. Can we wrap our heads around the magnitude of that kind of love? Well, when we can, and we can, because the Holy Spirit has poured this love into our hearts. He's he, The Word of the Spirit, the Gospel comes into our hearts so we can see that love of God. And we can have a sure hope. But there's no hope in being powerless. There's no hope in being ungodly. And that's where we were without God or without Christ. Ephesians 5, Romans 5, you go back to verse 6. It says, In due time Christ died for the ungodly. That is in God's appropriate time. At the right time. The fullness of time, Galatians 4 and 4 says. Here is God, the sovereign God at work in His time, sending His Son to accomplish His purposes, to give you and me, ungodly people, the right to be godly, the opportunity to be godly. Now, you see, ungodly people are under God's wrath. Romans 1 and verse 18. See, Paul has set up this this. Uh, description. He's described to us who we were without Christ. In Romans 1, without the Gospel. Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So we say, oh yeah, God's wrath is upon all those ungodly sinners out there. Well, that was on us too. We were under the wrath of God without Jesus Christ. That's why we responded to His call to be saved. Because because you see, the wages of sin is death. That is eternal death. A just wrath. God's punishment applied correctly when we sin against Him. When we have no attitude that's Godward, no, no direction toward the things of God. Or, for example, as in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 15, maybe we have a form of godliness, but we deny its power. 
He describes some people there who have a form of godliness. They, ha- they appear to be godly. The word form there is the idea of appearance. He said, in the last times there will be people who will have a form of godliness, but deny its power. The power of godliness comes through a pure heart. It comes through a heart of faith. It comes through a heart that is given to obey Jesus. Godliness may appear to be righteous, may appear to be godly, and yet be just as ungodly as, as everything you see. And under God, he said, from these people turn away. We have to have the perception to understand that when people live without Christ, then ungodliness reigns. That's where we were. Not just other people, that's where you and I were. Christ died for the ungodly. Did He die for you? If He died for you, you were ungodly. See, we got to come to grips with being ungodly before we can come to grips with being saved. If I don't understand the depth of my sin, then what compulsion do I have to turn away from it? See, the call of the Gospel is to repent, to change my heart, but I've got to first understand where my heart has been ungodly. So you see, the devil wants you to deceive yourself. He wants to deceive you and say, oh, well, you're a pretty good guy. You're a lot better than most other people. Don't worry about it. Now the Bible says, Jesus died for the ungodly. So, question, did He die for you? He died for me and you. We were ungodly. We were ungodly. Under God's wrath. And if we stay there, that wrath will be applied on the day of judgment and we'll have eternal wrath applied. Eternal destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His might. If that's not what you want, then you need to get with Christ. Because you see that passage says, with Christ now, you have the benefit of His love. Verse 8, God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It is in this great act, this supreme act of love in the death of Jesus, we have mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. God's kind favor extended to us in the death of His Son. Ephesians 2, 4-7 through goes on to discuss that. Let's go back there. Ephesians 2. Verses 4 through 7 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love wherewith he loved us. What a merciful act. Look at the mercy. When we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up together and made us to sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. In his kind, of His grace, in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God's kindness is extended toward us in Christ Jesus. In Christ, there's the mercy, there's the grace. When we're with Christ, then no longer are we described as ungodly, but we are with God. We are God-word. We are now living through faith. By the grace of God, He's given us life, power, strength, where we were dead and powerless. Here's the love of God at work. So again, noting, noting, we're, 
would we love somebody that's ungodly toward us? Mistreating us? Abusing us? Refusing us? Doing every kind of vile, saying every kind of vile thing, or just just not being a, a good person toward us? The ungodly? Because they don't care about God, so they don't care about you, care about themselves. And yet, that's who we were. That's who we were until through faith we obtain God's grace which is offered us abundantly in His Son Jesus. With Christ or without Him? Where do you want to be? And where are you this morning? But that verse goes on to say, you see, when we're without Christ, we're sinners. That is, we have transgressed. We have gone beyond a cross against. We violated the law of God. Romans 5 and verse 8. You, just say, you, know, we're, you go on in, verse, in that chapter, verse 12, and it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Adam is the doorway through which sin entered into the world, but it came into my life and your life because we sinned. Because we chose it. We committed it. You see? That's who we were. We can do that by refusing to do what's right. James 4.17 To him therefore that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So we can leave out the good things and God says that's sin. When I command you to do something and you don't do it, that's sin. Sin is not just doing a bad thing God says not to do. It's not doing a good thing God tells us to do. All unrighteousness is sin. 1 John 5 and verse 17. God's Word defines righteousness for us. We're instructed in righteousness by inspired Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 So again, it's God's Word that pours into our hearts the truth of who Jesus is and the love of God that sent Him to die on a cross and the mercy and grace that's revealed there for us as it calls and identifies our sin, it calls us out of that because it also tells us God offered a sacrifice. It's the sacrifice of His Son crucified on the cross that becomes the sacrifice offering that for sin that God accepts to redeem us, to save us from, our, from the wrath that we're under because of our sin. In John 12, 32 and 33, Jesus said, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to Myself. And this He said, signifying by what death He would die. The death of Jesus on the cross, lifted up, suspended between heaven and earth, is the means of the sacrifice. How this death took place. Shameful. Horrible, torturous, the innocent for the guilty, the just for the unjust. First Peter three said in verse eighteen, the just for the unjust. Jesus, the just one, died for us, the unjust. And by doing that, the passage says he is a sacrifice. Go back there to Romans five and see his point with me. You see in verse six. He mentions that uh, he says that that he died for us. But now, looking in verse, uh, I'm sorry, yes, verse eight. 
that, that the death now applied takes our sin away. Hebrews 9. That's where I was trying to get to. I apologize for that. Uh, there in Hebrews the ninth chapter, twenty six through twenty eight. Look with it. Yeah. Hebrews nine twenty six. Passage says, "He then would have had to offer, uh, had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself." Okay, here's the here's the point. Jesus dies because of the love of God to put away sin. He did it once, once for all. And it uh, and it is appointed for men to die once, as it's appointed for men to die once. And after this, the judgment. So Christ also once was offered to bear the sins of many. So so here's a sacrifice to put away sin, to 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 cancel our sin. Our sin made us powerless. It made us guilty. It made us ungodly. And now, in Christ Jesus, we are no longer sinners. Because of the because of his blood, because the offering made before God. See, Jesus dies on the cross and he offers himself to God as a sacrifice, as as sufficient to remove our sin. Chapter ten of Hebrews in verse ten says, "By this will we have been sanctified, or by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all." The offering of the body of Jesus on the Old Testament. The people would bring offerings of animals to God. They'd make they would make that offering on the altar, burnt offering. The animal would die. God said, "You you make these offerings, and I'll I will forgive you." Well, all that's a shadow of what happens with Jesus. Jesus bring, presents Himself, His own blood, His own death in heaven itself when He ascends to the right to, 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 to the presence of God. He enters into the most holy place because of an offering made, because of the blood shed, because a sacrifice was made. Now, is our love so sacrificial, so giving, that even though many are going to refuse that sacrifice, we sacrifice anyway? The love of God is a sacrificial love. Not, con- not contingent on, well, if you obey me, then you'll be saved. You know, the, the, uh, the, well, you know, the Calvinistic uh, election and, and the idea is only Jesus only died for the elect. That it's not really for everybody because God, you know, they, they, their whole system says, well, in fact, God's only going to save the elect, so Jesus only died for the elect. He died for the whole world. In the Scripture, the elect, the chosen, are those who respond in faith to the sacrifice that's been made. And they are chosen of God. Redeemed by the blood of God, of the Lamb of God. So, where are you today? The sinner without Christ or the one who has received the benefit of the sacrifice that God's love is exacted, executed, and made possible to the whole world. You can be with Christ if you respond to His sacrifice through faith, obeying Jesus, you'll be saved.
Go back to Romans now with me in chapter 5 and verse 9. And we understand our guilt when we think about the love of God and the death of Jesus. Verse 9 says, "...much more than having now been justified by His blood." The word justified carries this idea because when someone is justified, it means that prior to the justification, they were guilty. They were unjust. They were, they were guilty of the crime. Justice applied is bringing a, a, a punishment to bear upon or a release of the innocent uh, because uh, they are just. Well, we already know that we're not just. We've sinned. We're guilty of sin. But he says, by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, we are redeemed. In Romans, the third chapter, Paul is taken, or we're justified, I should say. In, in, in Romans 3, Paul took a lot of time talking about the nature of, of, of sin, the universal scope of sin. And, and whether it's sins of speech, sins of ignorance, sins of violence, sins of irreverence, he, he goes through a whole litany of the descriptions of sin in Romans 3, verses 10 through 18. And we fit there. We're guilty. And verse 23 went on to say, all of sin. And false short of the glory of God. But you see, in the death of Christ, through faith, when we're with Christ, we are justified. As he said, justified by his blood. We are acquitted of the guilt of our sin. The gospel, in the gospel, is revealed the righteousness of God from faith unto faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The gospel reveals how God will take you and me guilty of our sin and pronounce us not guilty. Pronounce us innocent. Not, not pronounce that you didn't commit the crime, but I'm going to pronounce you innocent now. It's going to be washed away. It's going to be removed. You're innocent. Innocent of it. Acquitted of the guilt. He says that's by His blood. By His death. That's accomplished. Verse 23. 24 chapter 3 says we're justified by His grace. So it's in the death of Jesus that we have the favor of God extended to us so that we can be justified from the guilt of our sin. But Romans 4, 5 through 8 says we're justified by faith. Look at verse 5. It says, but him who do, to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted to him for righteousness. So there's the ungodly. That's us. But he says, now then by faith, the one who, uh, his faith, the un ungodly person's faith is accounted to him for righteousness. So we have Christ's blood, God's grace, man's faith accomplishing our justification, acquitting from the guilt of our sin against God. Because God so loved us that He provides an adequate sacrifice to atone for our sin, to put away our sin, even though we were guilty and ungodly. Now, if you're without Christ, you're not justified. You're still guilty. The call of the Gospel has come out. Be pronounced not guilty. Have that removed. God's gracious and merciful. He's provided a sacrifice that He'll accept for your sin, but you have to have the faith, trust that it's so, and follow His instructions 
on how to have that blood applied to your sins to wash them away. Buried with Him in baptism. Washing away your sins by His blood. Being baptized into His death. Romans 6, 3 and 4 and Acts 22, 16. Are you with Christ or without Him? Well, if you're without Christ, you're lost. Verse 9 says, note, He says that because He says, much more than being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Well, we're either saved or lost. We want to be saved from wrath, but without Christ we're lost in our sin. We were dead in our sin. We were children of wrath. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. We lived in sin. The Gospel is God's power to save the lost. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. To be delivered from being lost. You ever been lost? You ever been lost? You know that, 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 how that feels in the moment. Where am I? How do I get where I want to be? I don't know where I, how to get there. Well, that's where we were without Christ. But God in His Gospel showed us where we were, sinners, where we need to be, salvation, and how to get there. Jesus in His death through faith that obeys His will. And so you see, He said we're saved from wrath by His life. See, now we're saved from wrath through Him, as it says there. Chapter, 10, chapter 5 and verse 10 goes on to say, if we, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more being reconciled shall we be saved by His life. We're saved by His death, from wrath, and were saved by His life. Now the fact that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, that's the life He's talking about there, I believe, in His context. The fact that Jesus is alive assures our hope, our faith. Because if Jesus wasn't raised, our faith is vain. We're still in our sin. We're pitiful people. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 and 18. But you see, He's saying the death of Jesus... That saves, that's the mechanism of salvation because it's the atoning sacrifice. But instead of the fact that He's resurrected from the dead, that too is an element of our salvation. Because without His resurrection, we'd have no hope. But now we do. So, do you have hope? If Christ isn't in your life, you don't. But with Him, you do. The verse says in verse 10 that without Christ, we were His enemies. Colossians 1.21 says we were alienated and enemies. We, were just, we weren't just out there in a neutral territory. We were aggressively opposing God. Now, we may not think ourselves that way before we were Christians, but we need to recognize that reality. We were estranged, separated uh, with, with, uh, from Him and enemies. Our conduct was aggressively against God. Because that's what sin is. It's against God. Can't you say, well, well I'm a, I was a good person. I, I was walking with God. No, you weren't. We weren't. When we were lost. We were His enemies. But you see, with Christ, we are reconciled. We are brought together again with, to God. We're brought together to, with Him to have peace with God. Ephesians 2, 11-18, an extended passage that talks about the peace that we can have 
with God and the peace in the one body of Christ with others. Jews and Gentiles, they're, they're, they, uh, the two make, Christ made one new man, so making peace. The body of Christ, His church, is the group of those who are reconciled. And you see how foreign it is for us to say we love God and not love our brother? Because you see, in Christ, we're all reconciled. We're all recipients of His love. And we live in that love. That love has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit in this Gospel that He's made available to us. And we respond to it. And we hold that close and we live by that. But I'm not going to love my brother. Only if they do good things, I'll love them then. Only if they consider me, then I'll love them. Make that application in your home. Make that application at work. Make that application with your neighbor. Make that application with your enemy. That's how God loved all of us. Are you with God, with Christ, or without Him? You see, without Christ, we have despair. There's no, there's no hope. Romans five eleven. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we have received the reconciliation. We rejoice. There's joy in Christ, but there's no hope without Him. See the joy there of verse 11? We rejoice. But when we're in the world, we have no hope without God. When they were convicted and sinners were convicted of their sin against Christ, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were in despair. They needed to do something. They were told to repent and be baptized. You see, with Christ, there's joy. Look at the joy of Romans 5 and verse 2. Through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in God's in hope. There's no joy in sin. There's no hope in sin. There's wrath. There's no power. There's death. And so are you with Christ or without Him? You have hope? I mean, gospel hope. Not false hope. True hope. Genuine hope. Because the death of Jesus has been applied to remove your sin, to bring you at, make you at peace with God, to be reconciled to God. The love of God. See, the love of God in your life is when Christ is in your life. There are ways God loves us even though we're not Christians. But to have the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus... To have that love in your life, you need Jesus in your life. And that's the question, is Jesus in your life? Is in your life through faith? We're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, did put on Christ. If you want the benefits of being with Christ, alive, loved, and, and, and the sacrifice applied to your sins, justified, saved, reconciled, and rejoicing in hope, then you need to put on Christ. You need to be baptized into Him for that to happen. Because you see, it's in that baptism, Romans the 6th chapter, verses 3 and 4, that you reach the benefit of His death. Or do you not know that as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We're baptized into that into the death that is the very place of God's great love for us. 
For though we were buried, for therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we also might walk in newness of life. There's our life. God's love in the death of Jesus. When we're baptized into his death, we're responding to the love of God. And his benefit is being applied to wash away our sins. The love of God. How rich, how deep. It's found in Jesus. It's found in His death and His life, His resurrection. It's been poured out in our hearts as Christians. It's been offered to the whole world. Be sure that you respond to that love through faith. God has so loved you, He now calls upon you to so love Him, to put away sin, repenting of it, confessing Jesus as the Son of God, being baptized for the remission of your sins as you've confessed your faith that He is the Christ. And then living for Him every day. Loving Him as He has loved you. That's the call of the Gospel. We want to help you respond to it. Won't you do that while we stand, while we sing?